0: Hello everyone. This Pokemon-themed episode of the podcast is sponsored by Italki. That is a great service that you can use to find English teachers and native speakers for conversations and lessons um, on Skype. Um, you can have lessons from the comfort of your own home. You can set your own schedule. It's really, really convenient and flexible and brilliant. And loads of people are using it in order to improve. Their level of language, and it's not just English. There's loads of different languages uh, that are available on Italki, and uh, loads and loads and loads of people are using it, including all these polyglots. You know, these uh, professional polyglots, people like Ollie Richards and Richard Simcott and uh, uh, Danny Lewis, and uh, not Danny Lewis, who's Danny Lewis, Benny Lewis, the Irish polyglot. There's loads of these polyglots. Who I read about on the internet and stuff, and a lot of these guys are using iTalki as well. They swear by it. It's just a really convenient way to find a person who you can talk to and who you can get feedback on your your English uh, from. Okay, so go to TeacherLuke.co.uk/talk and you can check it out. And if you make a purchase, you can get a um, hundred iTalki credit voucher, which you can, which which you can use as a discount uh, on future purchases. Alright then? Okay, so now it's time to start the episode, and here we go. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk Hello everyone. Today I'm talking about Pokemon Go on the podcast. Why, you might ask, why Pokemon Go? Um, Because I think it's a global phenomenon and there are loads of things to say about it. It's not just a stupid game. There's more to it than that. So in this episode, I'm going to describe Pokemon the game, then talk about Pokemon Go, including what the hell it is, how it works, what people are saying about it, why it's so significant, um, what some of the good points and the bad points are about this game, and what this might mean for the future. So it's the craze that's sweeping the world. Pokemon Go was released as a downloadable app for iPhone and Android about three weeks ago, and suddenly millions of people around the world are playing it. Everyone's talking about it in the media and just, you know, in normal life. And the app is currently the number one download on the iOS and Google Play app stores. It's threatening even Twitter in terms of its number of active users. Apparently, it's surpassed uh, Tinder in terms of its popularity or the number of downloads or users, and it's it may even have beaten uh, Twitter at this point as well, which is amazing. Just a few days after the uh, release of the game, which can be downloaded onto your smartphone free, Nintendo's stock market value soared, rising by a massive $11 billion. That's just a few days after the game was released. Nintendo's stock market, stock value went through the roof. I think it has come down a bit since then, um, but $11 billion increase of the market value within a few days is insane. Um, the number of downloads of the Pokemon app, uh, the Pokemon Go app, is now estimated at over 100 million. And all of this stuff has happened just in a few weeks. So I wonder if Pokemon Go has arrived in your country yet. I think that uh, the release has happened at different times in different places. Uh, it came out in France um, just about a week ago. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you've either heard about it, you've probably seen stories about it online, uh, you, might have heard, um, you might have even had conversations about it, you've probably seen people playing it in your area, or you might have actually downloaded and played the game yourself. Some people are completely addicted to it and they can't stop playing it. Other people, on the other hand, just can't stand it. They hate it and they think it's a load of complete nonsense. So there's a, a range of different opinions on this. Um, just the other day, I went out for a drink with uh, with my wife. You know, my wife and I, we like to go out and drink sometimes on a Sunday. Uh, we went out for a drink and uh, we counted 11 people playing Pokemon Go just in the streets near our house. Um, On my lunch break from work the other day, um, I was eating my sandwich, and I looked around the little garden area where I sat with my lunch, and I noticed about three people who are obviously playing Pokemon Go walking around trying to catch Pokemon, you know, trying to catch them all. Um, Even some of my students in class were playing Pokemon Go during lessons, Um, and there was one particular moment where I was trying to teach my class, and one of my students had his phone out. And I was like, what are you doing? Can you put your phone away, please? And he was like, no, there's a Pokemon on the table. So I let him catch the Pokemon. And then I took his phone and I threw it into a lake. I didn't really. Um, But anyway, even some of my students are playing Pokemon Go during lessons. Apparently, the British Council where I work is a Pokemon gym where other Pokemon players can get together and challenge each other to Pokemon battles. I know, it's mad, isn't it? It's crazy. It's crazy. Next time you're out and about, right, look out for small groups of people wandering around staring at their phones. I mean, that happens a lot anyway. There's usually people wandering around with their heads buried in their phones, but it's happening even more these days. It's an even more common sight to see at the moment. If you get the chance to glance at these people's screens, you might see them attempting to throw little red and white balls at wild little cartoon creatures that they can see through their camera. Uh, if that's the case, then they're probably playing Pokemon. Okay. Um, now, if you don't really understand what I'm talking about here, if you've no idea what Pokemon Go is, and all of this is complete gobbledygook to you, well, don't worry, because I am going to explain it all uh, in this episode as clearly as possible, while also discussing some of the sort of um, issues that have, that, um, have come up um, since this game was released. So some of the positive and negative aspects of the game. So wherever you stand on this new phenomenon, um, maybe you think it's brilliant, uh, you might think it's the end of the world, or maybe you just have no opinion about it at all. Uh, wherever you stand, in any case, I think that there's there's no arguing that this game uh, represents something significant about global culture right now. Uh, it's being played everywhere. Uh, I've I've even seen photos of this game being played uh, in parts of Syria. I saw a photograph of like a war torn scene, uh, like some guy in a building where the, the, all the building is completely destroyed. He's standing in the building playing Pokemon. So it's even being played in war torn parts of Syria. Uh, apparently, the whole world is at the moment captivated by the desire to capture Pokemon. Um, it has arrived with some uh, controversy, as we will see. So, the game itself might just be a flash in the pan. Okay, it might just be a flash in the pan. Uh, It might just be a brief craze that will last only for the summer and then just disappear. Um, It might be. In fact, maybe it's already peaked, you know, that all of this craziness, maybe this is just a flash in the pan, maybe it's already peaked. In fact, perhaps I've come to the subject a little bit late because it seems that the general media buzz around Pokemon has probably peaked now, but it does represent an interesting development in global culture, I think, in gaming, technology, lifestyle, how we interact with public spaces, and also ways in which huge companies are collecting and using our data. So it's definitely worth talking about. Um Now, so is this just a fun social game or is this part of some sinister plot by corporations intent on gaining access to yet more of our personal data? Uh, So that's what I'd like to talk about in this episode. If you are a vocab hunter, if you're a vocabulary hunter, then you can just listen carefully uh, in this episode to hear all the right words and expressions that we use when talking about Pokemon and the issues surrounding it. Um, So watch out for language of, first of all, the language of the game, but also uh, the language of all the issues surrounding the game as well. Um, Now, a lot of what I'm reading to you here in this episode is transcribed, not all of it, Some of this episode will be uh, improvised and off the cuff, you know, Uh, but a lot of it's transcribed as well. So have a look at the page for this episode, and you'll be able to read a lot of this stuff, including a lot of the um, lot of the vocabulary too. Um, So if you hear a word and you wonder what it was, or you want to see it again, why not check out the the uh, the bits that are transcribed? The chances are you'll be able to find that word and you know add it into your vocabulary in whatever way you choose to do that. Um, I should state right now that this story is developing pretty quickly um, and by the time you listen to this episode then who knows the world of Pokemon might have changed a bit Uh, with possible updates to the application and other peripheral products that might come onto the market. Um, Also, I'm not the world's Pokemon expert or anything. I'm really not. But I think I know enough about this to be able to talk about it uh, uh, in this episode with some confidence. Um, You might be more familiar with the ins and outs of Pokemon than me. You know, you might know everything about Pokemon. You might be a Pokemon master. Um, Now, if you are an advanced Pokemon player, then feel free to get into the comments section uh, on the website to give your opinion or to add any details that I might have missed. If you think there are certain things that you should add, then please feel free to add them in the comments section. Also, if you're new to Pokemon... I want to know what you think as well. So get in the comments section and and leave your thoughts there. So let's properly get started. And uh, I've got a sort of an agenda for this episode. The first thing is, what is Pokemon? Secondly, what is Pokemon Go? Uh, What's the appeal of Pokemon Go? What does this mean for the future? Uh, What are some of the arguments for and the arguments against the game? Um, And um, that's it at at this point. I might, if I have time, actually download the app and uh, and actually play it on the f- on my phone and uh, record an episode while I'm doing that. I doubt that I'll have time to do that in this episode, uh, but I might do depending also on the weather because it's it's currently raining, which is not good for for Pokemon go because obviously this happens outdoors, you know you have to go and walk around. Um, And if it's raining, then that's not very good, is it? It's not very suitable. But if the weather clears up and uh, if I've got the time, I might record another episode where I'm on my feet, walking around, playing a bit of Pokemon Go. We will see. Um, It would also be nice to talk to some other people about this, wouldn't it? Um, So I might have conversations with some people about Pokemon Go as well. Um, Okay, so first of all, what is Pokemon Let's start with that. Now, we know from my conversation with Alex Love recently that Pokemon is, in fact, a portmanteau word, meaning a combination of two words, uh, from Japan, which actually means pocket monster. That's what Pokemon means, pocket monster. Um, so, Pokemon is, in fact, uh, a franchise owned by the Pokemon Company, which is a sort of consortium of three companies, Nintendo, Game Freak, and Creatures. And, um, So, Pokemon is a a, a huge franchise. Um, um, It started out as a game. Um, So, it's mainly a game. I think that's the main aspect of this franchise. It's a computer game. So, the first version of the franchise was a Game Boy game created in Japan in 1995 for the Game Boy. The original Game Boy. I think it's the original Game Boy. Maybe the Game Boy Color. So, this is back in 1995. The Nintendo Game Boy. Pokemon was a game created uh, for the Game Boy in 1995 in Japan. Um, As far as I know, the first versions of this game were called Pokemon Red and Pokemon Yellow. There were like two versions, the red version and the yellow version. Now, I never played Pokemon Red or Yellow. Never ever played it. In fact, the the only Pokemon game I've ever played has been Pokemon Go. So um, although I'd never actually played it, Somehow, I still know about Pokemon and what's involved. I think it's just because I've seen so many references to it on the internet, and I've seen other people play it, and I've seen some of the cartoons and things like that. Um, So I'm kind of aware of it, even though I never played the original Game Boy games. So there was Pokemon Red and Pokemon Yellow for the Game Boy Color, I think. And then after that, they released another version, which was Pokemon Blue. And then, I guess, then they released Pokemon Silver. Um... And then also there were TV shows, movies, trading cards like card games and a Monopoly board game for, for Pokemon and various other things. Um, so it has massive amounts of appeal, massive levels of appeal, the Pokemon franchise. It's really popular. And a generation of kids grew up playing this game. I was a little bit old for it. So I am so, I guess I'm sort of like a I'm a bit older than the generation who grew up with it. Um, and when Pokemon Red and Pokemon Yellow came out, I was a bit old for them because by that time I'd moved on to more grown-up stuff, you know, like I was playing Goldeneye and Tekken and things like that. Yeah, it's grown-up stuff, even though I was still playing computer games. Um, I was at university when, when Pokemon came out, so I was doing grown-up university things like staying up all night, writing essays and drinking too much coffee and not eating properly and uh playing playstation with my flatmates you know all that university stuff um so i never actually played the games but the i think the first time i heard about pokemon or the first time i came across it was when i was working at the hmv store in liverpool um So I I expect I've mentioned that on the podcast before, but I used to work in HMV in Liverpool. Liverpool, you know, is the city in the in the northwest of England, and I lived there for four years as a student. And uh, for a year, I worked. Upstairs in HMV Liverpool on Church Street, and I worked on the computer games and specialist music counter, um, which meant that on the left-hand side we had the computer games section. On the right-hand side we had we had all the specialist music, including all the jazz and folk and blues and country and all that stuff. And so I had I was actually responsible. I was given the responsibility of the Game Boy section of the computer games uh, area. So I was responsible for basically making it look nice. And uh, kind of just making sure that all the games were stocked up on the shelves properly. It wasn't the greatest job, I'll be honest. And I think that really, I think the management, the people in charge of the the games area, I think they gave that to me because they didn't know what else to do with me. I, was a, I, I had been a student. I was playing music in a band at the time. And I needed a day job just to you know, keep some income, to pay the rent and for beer money and stuff like that. And so I was working at HMV. I didn't really enjoy it that much. Some things about it were pretty good, like the fact that I used to get access to all the computer games when they first arrived in the store. uh, And I used to get a big discount. I used to get 30% discounts at HMV, which meant that pretty much all my money went on CDs, DVDs, and computer games, you know? Um, Anyway, that's another story for another time. Um, So I was... I was given the great responsibility to look after the Game Boy shelf. And so I used to stand in front of the Game Boy shelf trying to fit all of the games onto the shelf. It was really annoying. The, the boxes didn't fit on the shelf properly and they used to fall off and I used to go and pick them up. It was miserable, to be honest with you. Um, but I we did get uh, huge loads of um, uh, copies of Pokemon Red and Yellow and we sold hundreds of them. Hundreds! And um, we also used to sell the the cards, the Pokemon cards, and it was kind of it was the cards that the kids the kids were equally interested in the cards as as they were in the games. The games were pretty expensive I mean you know game Boy games were pretty expensive, and these Pokemon games were new and they were really expensive so the get, we get used to get all these kids who'd come into the store and kids from Liverpool, a lot of them are like pretty cheeky uh little scallywags. And um, they used to come up to the counter and they would come up in a gang. There'd be like a gang of these, these Scallies that would come up and they'd be like, "Here, Mace, have you got any Pokemon cards? Have you got any Pokemon cards? Because that's how these, that's how they, (laughs) that's how they spoke. Like these, these little Scallyway kids. Here, Mace, have you got any Pokemon cards? And I was like, "Um, yes, yes, we've got Pokemon cards. They're just there on the top. And he's like, um, and oh, let's have a look at those Pokemon cards. Look at that um and then i'll be like excuse me are you gonna pay are you gonna pay for those and they're like um how much are they how much are they and they're like they're two pounds uh, yeah we're gonna pay for them as they like take the cards and put them in their pockets and i'm like oi oi you haven't paid for that give that back oh i'm sorry mate you know just another day at hmv liverpool um anyway the playing cards the pokemon games um now, um, what was the what's the principle of Pokemon? If you if you don't know what the game involves, let me try and summarize it for you. So basically, Pokemon takes place in this kind of wilderness area. I think it just sort of takes place in this land, and you play the character of I think his name is Ash, and Ash is a Pokemon trainer or a Pokemon hunter. Essentially, there's like this big area with these fields and like there's water and hills and towns and things. And you wander around. And what you have to do is try and catch Pokemon. The aim of the game is you've got to catch them all. Got to catch them all. That's in fact the, the catchphrase of the whole game franchise. Pokemon. Got to catch them all. So the point is that you have to try and catch every single species of Pokemon. Okay. And I don't know how many there are. Hundreds of them. Hundreds of the little creatures. So you wander around the area, and uh, and every now and then you come across um, uh, a wild Pokemon. So a wild Pokemon will suddenly appear, and you've got to try and catch it. So the, how do you catch a Pokemon? Well, you have these special things called Pokeballs. I think I'm saying all these things correctly. If look, listeners, you have to fact check me on this. Okay, I'm pretty sure I've got all this right, but. Um, if i get anything wrong like for example if i pronounce pokeball wrong then leave a comment in the in the comment section i'm pretty sure i've got it all right but anyway pokerballs are these little red and white balls okay and the idea is you throw the pokeball at the pokemon and uh, when the pokeball hits the ground it opens and it kind of sucks the pokemon into the ball and then you've captured it and then you've got you you st- kept the Pokemon inside the ball I don't really understand the physics of it I guess the pokeball is a bit like a tardis that there's a way more there's way more space inside than it looks from the outside so somehow they managed to suck the Pokemon inside the ball and then you've caught your Pokemon and you have like um I guess it's like poker which is like where you keep all of your Pokemon I mean it's a, it's a little bit cruel to an extent, because like you've got these wild little Pokemon just going about their business, and then you catch them, and you keep them in a box, essentially. Um, but obviously, it's a game, so, you know, huh? What's they're not, they're not real, are they, Pokemon? They're not real, ladies and gentlemen. You should know that, okay? I know that you might be addicted to the game, and you might be, you know, obsessed with all the Pokemon that are around you. They're not real. They don't exist. Okay, so you catch the Pokemon by throwing a ball at them. And then once you've caught them, you keep them and they're your Pokemon. You can then train them, you see. You, you develop them, you grow them and train them, and you can give them power boosts and things until eventually the Pokemon grow and grow and grow and they become more and more strong and more fierce and uh, more awesome until eventually, when you've powered up your Pokemon to its full capacity, they will be incredibly powerful monsters that you can use to fight against other Pokemon trainers, okay? And then what you do is, once you've, once you've developed all your Pokemon and they're all super powerful, you then basically have an arsenal of uh, super powerful Pokemon that you can then fight with other people, right? And then you you, you meet up with other Pokemon trainers and challenge each other to, to battles. And you, for example, someone might throw their Pokemon at you. I think that's how it works. Someone throws a Pokemon at you, and, and then you need, you've got a moment to choose which Pokemon you're going to choose to fight back against it. And then there's a kind of like a sort of role-playing situation, I think, where there's some sort of battle. I'm not sure exactly how the battles happen. I've never done that. I, it's not like Street Fighter 2. You're not like mashing buttons to try and punch Pokemon in the face. I think it's more like a top trump situation where different levels of power are compared. And, you know, if you've got more power in that category, then you win. And then overall, you know, one of the po- one of the Pokemon wins, it's basically. By the way, by the way, it's one Pokemon, two Pokemon. I think it's like fish. You know, one fish, two fish, and sheep. One sheep, two sheep. One Pokemon, two Pokemon. Um, so the plural is the same as the singular, which makes it easy. So if you if your Pokemon is stronger than your competitor's Pokemon, uh, you'll beat your Pokemon will beat it, and then you get to keep that person's Pokemon. So, it's another way of expanding your collection of Pokemon. Because remember, the aim of the game is you've got to catch them all. And I think there are other things you can do, like other little skills that you can develop and special power ups that you can collect and things like that. So, that's the principle of the game. You've got to catch them all and you've got to train them all to become incredibly powerful monsters. Okay? And once you've done that, you become the Pokemon master. And you then, I don't know what you do then, you have a cup of tea. And you look smug. You're like, "I'm the Pokemon Master." <sighs> smug, you know that kind of thing, right? So that's Pokemon. Now we've got Pokemon Go, uh, which was released um, just a few weeks ago, and um, so this is like the updated Pokemon for the uh, the current modern moment. You know, uh, so Pokemon Go is basically like Pokemon but it's an app on your phone. You can download it from from the App Store, and it's a game that you launch on your phone. You play it through your phone, okay? Now, the, the, the extraordinary thing about the Pokemon app is that the game zone that you're playing in is the real world, okay? So, In the original Game Boy Pokemon, you were wandering around this land. I don't know what it was called, but you're wandering around this land. The level that you're playing on is this virtual land within the game. Okay, and you sit in your seat on the bus or whatever and you play the game. You don't move, you're just locked into the game, uh, and that's it. But in Pokemon Go, the level on which you're playing is actually the real world. So the game zone is the real world. It uses Google Maps it uses Google Maps technology and they've basically put the uh, the game zone over the real world map, which means, you know, and it uses uh, GPS uh, location technology and stuff like that. And so in order to find your Pokemon and go around and, and do things, you actually have to take your phone and walk around the real world. So you open the f- the app on your phone, and uh, once you've you know logged in and, and signed up with your Google account and all that stuff, once you've done that, you then um, you then look at the, the the game screen and you see your character standing there on a map, and it's basically a Google map. And as you walk up the street, your character walks up the street too. And all of the places you can go on the game screen are the same as the places in the real world, right? Which I don't think it's the first time that's happened. I think there have been games in the past that have used Google Maps and that have kind of like um, added the game zone onto the real world in augmented reality. We've had games like that before, like kind of capture the flag type games where you have to visit locations and, you know, sort of do certain things. But uh, this game, Pokemon Go, is the first time that it's really... Happen on a massive level. This is the the first time that this has become a truly mass-consumed global phenomenon. All right. Um, so do you get the idea? Do you get the idea? So instead of moving around the the virtual world, you're actually re- moving around the real world. So what happens is, yeah, you you, you launch the app, you walk around, and. As you, you know, you have to keep looking at the app. You have to keep looking at the game screen on your phone as you walk around in order to notice when there's a Pokemon in the area. So every now and then a little Pokemon creature will appear on the map and you have to go to, you actually have to go to the location of the Pokemon, go close to it, click the Pokemon, like tap the Pokemon on your screen and then the phone will launch its camera uh, application. The camera on your phone will launch within the game and then you, you actually look at the world through the camera. So you point the camera around and you look through the screen, and that's where you have augmented reality. So you can actually see everything through the lens of your camera, but the Pokemon is visible through the screen. So for example, you might see on the map that there's a Pokemon on the other side of the street. You cross the street, and you launch the camera, you know, you tap on the Pokemon, and you search for it by moving the camera around, looking through the screen, and then there it is. You can see the little Pokemon. He's just jumping up and down on the ground there, you know, on the pavement, and what you then have to do is throw your Pokeball at the Pokemon in the screen, and if you, if you do it well, then you'll capture the Pokemon, and you keep it, okay? So that's the basic way that you catch the Pokemon. Um And... um all of the Pokemon have got different names. There's, I don't know if they've got the same names in your countries, but the most, I guess the most sort of common ones are like Squirtle, Pikachu, um, Ratsy, uh, Pidgey. I don't know all of the names of them. Um, and there's one that's like the most valuable. Is it called Muto or something? I don't know. But there's loads of them. They've all got different names um, and they're very cute. Like, for example, Pikachu is cute, isn't he? He's like yellow. I don't know what he is. Is he a rabbit? He's like a little thing. (laughs) I don't know what he is. He's yellow. He's really cute. He's got like this this tail that looks like a lightning bolt. And Pikachu, uh, all Pokemon, they only have one word in their vocabulary. They do speak, but they only ever say one word, and that's their own name. So uh, Squirtle, for example, hangs around. I think he hangs around in water. He's like a water Pokemon. And Squirtle hangs around and he goes, Squirtle, 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 Squirtle. Which I always thought was pretty weird. Like, wouldn't it be weird if, if the only word you knew was your own name? Like, you know, if I was walking around going, Luke, 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 Luke. Luke, 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 Luke. And then someone comes up to you and goes, Hi, how are you doing? Luke, 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 Luke. <laughs> Limited. Limited and slightly weirdly existential. to so just have your own name as your only word. Anyway, um, so that's how you catch Pokemon. You, you find them, you open the camera, you throw the ball at them, you catch them, you keep them, then you can develop them and train them and stuff. Um, there are also Poke poker stations. Now, uh poker stations are places that you can visit where you can collect stuff. And usually they they you can collect Pokéballs Because you know you've got a limited number of balls to catch Pokemon with. These are the problem these are Pokemon problems. Oh, I don't have any pokerballs left. It's a pokeball, it's a Pokemon problem. Not a genuine problem in the real world, no, a Pokemon problem. So you can go to poker stations and collect extra pokeballs. And other things like every now and then you get an egg. I think the egg you keep it and eventually it will hatch and turn into a Pokemon. Yeah. Um, so there are these poker stations. Now the poker stations are at different locations on the map. And uh, if you op- if you look at the, the 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 map on your phone, you'll see that there are these like blue things like at different points. Now the poker stations are actually points of interest from Google Maps. These are like interesting spots that I guess a lot of people have taken photos of and posted onto Google Maps, like their points of interest on Google Maps. And in the game, these have been converted into poke stations. So if you actually go there, you can collect more pokeballs. For example, there's a fountain outside my building, and that's a poker stop. Poker stop or poker station? I don't know. Poker stop or poker station? Wait a minute. Let me let me find out. Okay, according to what I've just read there on the internet, um, it's poker stop. Actually, poker stop. All right. So let's call them poke stops or poker stops. Oh dear. It's, let me just let me just uh, verify that. Okay, it's poker stops. I was right. I was right. Okay. So um, yes. For example, there's a fountain outside my building, and that's a poker stop. And there's a sandwich bar on the street as well. That's a poker stop as well. And then at the top of the street, there's a kid's merry-go-round, like one of those, like, fun rides that kids can go on. And there's, like, a car, a train, a bus, a plane, and they go round slowly. You know, they sit on it. There's, like, a horse, a car, a motorbike, and they they can sit on them and go round. That's a merry-go-round. There's one of them at the top of the street, and that's a poker stop as well. Um... So on the map you see different poker stops, and the game essentially encourages you to go and visit these these places. And when you get there, you click on the poker stop in your phone, and it shows you a photo of the thing that where the fo- where the poker stop is located. And it could be another landmark. It could be, for example, you know, like a fountain or a statue or a plaque on the wall with a bit of local information on it. For example, um, it could be. Like in my in my area, there is a plaque that shows you that Picasso used to live in the building. So there's one of them near me, uh, and that's quite cool because you might not have discovered that otherwise. You know, Pokemon players might not have discovered this interesting uh, landmark uh, if they hadn't played the game. You know, that's that's what people say. Oh yeah, Pokemon's good because it you know helps it encourages people to visit uh, interesting locations um but to be honest i don't think pokemon can really be credited with teaching people about their local area that much can it it depends on the person playing the game but honestly i think that if you find local points of interest through pokemon then you're probably not that interested in the in that thing you know you're probably not that interested in the in the so-called point of interest realistically how long Will a Pokemon player stop to read a plaque about Picasso when they have other Pokemon in the area to catch? Um, So I'm not that convinced that Pokemon is a great way to uh, help people find out about points of interest in their area. I think, you know, let's face it, the primary interest of going there is to catch the Pokemon or get some Pokeballs or something. They're not necessarily going to go, actually, since we're here, let's read this interesting plaque about Picasso. And why don't we visit the Picasso Museum? No, they'll be like, Screw the Picasso Museum. Got to catch them all. Uh, In fact, it could be considered disrespectful to, uh, to the landmark to create a poker stop there because what happens is that you just get these groups of people turning up, not looking at the landmark, just standing around like poker zombies with their heads in their phones, you know, and they're not really paying a lot of respect to the The Whatever it is, the historical landmark. Um, And that brings me on to some controversy or controversy, however you want to say it. There have been a few incidents in which people have got very angry with Pokemon players playing at certain locations. For example, at War Memorials, where you should be very respectful. Um, standing around catching Pokemon at a World War II memorial is not really appropriate, is it? Um, Especially if players are wandering across the monument or standing on burial sites or something like that. It's really not not an appropriate thing to do in a place where you should be a bit more respectful. Um, Apparently, Pokemon has been banned at the Auschwitz Museum. It's been banned at the Auschwitz Museum in southern Poland. Um, The Auschwitz Museum is the site of one of the biggest World War II Nazi death camps. Um, And um, so Pokemon has been banned there. Um, In fact, um, uh, the museum has asked um, the Pokemon developing company, the game developer, Niantic Labs. They've asked Niantic Labs to block Pokemon users from playing um, at the Auschwitz Museum after there were complaints from people who saw a lot of other people playing the game while visiting. And I think that's a fair complaint to make. I think it's very disrespectful to be playing Pokemon in a place like that. So, you know, it's attracted some controversy. People are saying that it encourages people to actually um have less respect for their surroundings rather than more um so that's poker stops there are also Pokemon gyms and these are places where you can battle with other Pokemon trainers and and sort of develop your Pokemon these are places where you fight Pokemon against each other so let's say for example there's a there's a Pokemon gym at the uh basilica de de uh, um, Sacré coeur the Notre dame um what am, I, what am I trying to say? At the Basilica at the top of the hill in Montmartre, at the um, Sacre Coeur de Montmartre, let's say there's a, um, a, uh, a, poke, a Pokemon gym there, you would have to go up, climb the steps and go to that spot. And then you'll find loads of people hanging around and they're all playing Pokemon Go because that's a Pokemon gym. That's where you, if you've got to a certain level of ability or whatever, you can enter the gym at that location and battle with other Pokemon Go players. And there's one person in every Pokemon gym who's like the best. They've got the strongest Pokemon and they're the Pokemon master of that gym. Um, So yeah, I said before that the British Council where I work is a Pokemon gym apparently. Um, And uh, if you beat all the other Pokemon trainers there, then you'll be the owner of the gym and your winning Pokemon is like the master of the gym. And I think that your Pokemon is then displayed on the roof of the gym uh, when you check the map in the app. So if you look at the map in the app, you'll, you know, you'll, as I said, you'll see a kind of version of Google Maps with these little blue poker stops. And then you can see in the distance, uh, these large Pokemon gyms, and often you see a rotating Pokemon on the top of it. And that's, I think that's the strongest Pokemon in that gym. I think and you can actually you'd walk there you'd have to walk you know through the streets climb up the hill up the stairs get to the pokemon gym and then you can do battle with other pokemon trainers um yeah so it's it's pretty it's pretty fascinating really there's other content as well uh, I'm, I think that there are other f- interesting features within the game, like, for example, other locations and other interactive elements at various locations and stuff like that. Um, so um, also I think there are in-app purchases. This is where you can you know, actually spend money within the app and buy stuff like more Pokeballs or power-ups or things like that. I haven't fully invested the, investigated the game. I haven't really played it properly myself. I've seen other people play it. Um, I've had a go on other people's uh, versions. Um, Paul Taylor managed to download it from, I think, the UK App Store. So, he was playing it, like, weeks before it was released in France. So, I got, like, a sneak peek at the game uh, from him and a few other people. Um, So, also, venues like places, things like cafes or shops or whatever, might use Pokemon Go as a way of attracting people uh, to their place, you know, because apparently there are things called lure modules, lure, lure. Can you pronounce that? Lure. It's it's, it's spelled L-U-R-E. Lure modules. To lure someone, or to lure something, is to like attract something to come. Like when you when you go fishing, you might use a lure, and it's like a sort of a fish-shaped object with hooks on it. And the idea is that it it attracts fish towards your your hooks, okay? Um, it attracts fish to your bait, um, so that's a lure. So there are lure modules, I think, which can be dropped at certain locations in order to attract high higher numbers of Pokemon in that area. So you can use lure modules to first of all attract Pokemon to your area, so you can catch more. But also, I think some businesses are using lure modules to attract Pokemon to then attract actual people into their shop. So if you have a cafe, you might d- drop a lure module in your cafe in the game, and then you'll find that more people suddenly arrive in your cafe, and there they are. They're they're trying to catch the Pokemon that are all over your cafe, and then while they're there, you know, they might buy some coffee and cake um, to to have. So that's quite interesting that venues are using this augmented reality to uh, sort of bring customers into their into their businesses. So what is the appeal of this? What's the appeal of Pokemon Go? Um, I think for me, it's about collecting stuff. It's about kind of hunting, gathering and collecting and then developing. But um, collecting, certainly. I think that we are as humans, we are wired for collecting things. It's kind of a natural impulse that we have to gather and collect things. Because ultimately, you know, this goes back to when we were hunter-gatherers. I think, this is just my theory but I think it's related to the fact that we used to be hunter-gatherers. That's how we used to operate. We used to go out every day, out into the fields or whatever, out into the into the area, and we would gather food like berries or fruits or natural things that are growing in the ground or from trees. We'd gather food. We'd hunt animals and and so on. Uh, So it kind of taps into that instinct for hunting and gathering and collecting. I think it's a basic human instinct to go out and find things, search the area, look for treasure, look for food or resources, keep a collection, build the strength, you know, even breed and rear animals, you know, like grow animals. Uh, Actually, we don't say grow animals, we say rear animals, R-E-A-R, so rear animals, meaning sort of like... um, uh, bring them up and and breed animals. That's when you put two animals, you put a mummy animal and a daddy animal together and you make them friendly with each other. You make them have sex, okay? You, you encourage them to have sex and then they create offspring. That's, that's breeding animals. And rearing animals is like bringing the animals up, you know, developing them. Um, so uh, we have these instincts for breeding and rearing animals, which you can then use as assets in your life. Um, And you can compete with other people. Um, I suppose all of this comes from the many hundreds of years that humans evolved as hunter gatherers or something, except that now those instincts are what are what uh, drives our interest in these games, which we play for their own sake. I don't think we can really gain anything material from these games, can we? I don't think it's possible to earn bitcoins or to actually earn money through playing these games. I don't think so. So that we just play them for their own sake. Um, I guess it's really it's only business owners who can benefit if people are being lured to businesses because of Pokemon They're probably the ones who might benefit from it. And then, of course, there's the game makers who obviously are making money from the in game purchases, Uh, the general brand value of Pokemon, which has obviously gone up a lot, Uh, share price value of these companies, and also just the sharing and selling of data which has been collected from the game. So there are lots of revenue streams for the Pokemon company. Um, Also, in terms of the appeal of the game, there's also just the novelty of the augmented reality. So augmented reality, that's when essentially reality has been sort of modified when, you know, through the internet or through uh, the technology that we're using, we're adding a layer of extra content over the top of reality. Um, And that's called augmented reality. And it's kind of like this new thing and we're gonna see more and more augmented reality as we move into the future, you know? Um, so augmented reality is a novelty and it's exciting to play around with it. It's quite engrossing and captivating. So this brings me on to the future, and I'm just gonna say a few things about how I imagine this is how I imagine this is significant for the future, because this is really the first this is the first really big augmented reality computer game. And I expect that we will see more and more games that will use augmented reality, which essentially means that the real world will be the playing field in which which the game is played. Uh, Instead of going around in a virtual world, the game world is somehow mapped onto the real world. So I expect we'll see more and more of this kind of thing. Uh, And, you know, imagine what some of the other game franchises might be able to do with this. We might see, for example, Grand Theft Auto creating some sort of augmented reality version of Grand Theft Auto. Can you imagine that? Where, you know, somehow the game is played in the real world in some way. That's quite frightening considering what happens in the average game of Grand Theft Auto. Uh, But if we run with the idea of augmented reality in games, this could mean that in the future, more people will be going around in the street playing a game uh, at the same time as just, you know, living their life or as, at the same time as everyone else. Um, they, um, you know, they might be interacting with the physical world around them, but in ways that you can't see if you're not playing the game. Um, if, you know, imagine, imagine if you're playing the game, uh, there might be, yeah, there, there might be ways in which you, in the game, interact with the real world uh, but other people won't notice if they're not playing it. Now, if you add different technology into that, it could be a huge step. Imagine, for example, using Oculus Rift, which is that um, that kind of face mask that people can wear. You can buy this thing now, Oculus Rift. It's like a, a 3D face mask. You wear it over your eyes, and it essentially gives you... Uh, like surround sound not surround sound total vision 360 degrees so that when you turn your head uh you move inside the real world as if it sorry you move inside the virtual world as if it's the real world so turning your head means that you see more content to your left or right up or down imagine using Oculus Rift or some other kind of 3D headset but you're not walking around the game world you're actually walking around in the real world you know but with augmented reality. So you're seeing the real world, but on top of that, you're also seeing a mapped sort of virtual world on top of it, which is mapped over the real world. Uh, and you'd be able to move around in it and interact with it. And for example, when you touch objects, you can actually feel those objects with your hand and you can feel the, 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 the environment changing under your feet. And, you know, everything is, if you're near water, you can hear the sound of the water, you can touch trees or buildings or things like that. And, you know, so you're interacting with a sort of computer generated world, which is mapped over the real world. So potentially, we might be able to walk around with a headset, interacting with the real world, but seeing it in a completely different way. From the inside You might be battling with aliens in your street or collecting treasure in the park or possibly just touching objects in the real world in order to achieve things. Uh, In the game, it would be amazing because, you know, there would be actual physical feedback from playing the game, like direct sensory uh, touch feedback from playing the game. But from the outside, you would just look like a crazy person on LSD or something, you know, just some weirdo walking around. Whoa, whoa, that's amazing. And you're just a weird acid freak. Uh, you know, you'd look like you were on a- you were on Magic Mushrooms or something, just wandering around, reacting th- to things that aren't really there. Um, it would be pretty weird, but who knows? We might be seeing these things in the future. It's going to be pretty strange. Uh, there are also the obvious safety issues with that. Uh, also, perhaps it, it might be possible to play the game Another possibility is that you, you would be able to play the game in the real world using the real world map like before. But instead of actually walking around in the real world, you're sitting at home on your sofa and you're looking at the real world through a screen or, again, some sort of 3D mask. So that might mean that you're, for example, controlling a drone which is flying around in the real world or travelling around on wheels in the real world, while you are either watching on a screen at home or sitting at home wearing a 3D headset, which essentially allows you to see the world from the perspective of your drone as it travels around outside your house or somewhere else in the world, interacting with real things and people and doing stuff. Imagine that. So you're, you're... you're not actually out there, but essentially you are because you can see everything that the drone can see with its 3D camera as it's traveling around in the street or whatever. Imagine. It's crazy, right? The mind boggles. So this could also be used not for gaming, but for general life. For example, you know, sending your drone robot to the supermarket to collect your shopping or to pick up your kids or something like that, which doesn't sound very good. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like you're a very good parent if you kind of, um, like, mummy, mummy, daddy, when are you going to pick me up from school? Oh, uh, I'll be at home. uh, The drone will come and get you. Imagine being picked up from school by a drone. Uh, It'd be pretty weird, wouldn't it, as a kid? Um, But these things sound like something from some weird science fiction movie, but I think that we're really not that far away from this sort of thing. Um, You know, we've got incredible drone technology being developed right now. There are some unbelievable robotics uh, happening. I think we're not that far away from this kind of thing being a reality. Um, And, you know, it gets scary when you think about the military and the things that the military could use, what they could do with this kind of technology, let alone just what normal civilians could do. Um, But um, uh, there are, of course, loads of legal issues that go along with all of this relating to safety uh, who's responsible for what these drones do, and how, you know, if people have accidents because they are, you know, f- uh, falling over objects in their virtual augmented world, um, or, um, there could be legal issues about what people do when they're playing an augmented reality game, and the implication of just letting drones operate in public spaces. Um, that's all related to privacy and health hazards and so on. So it's certainly pretty crazy. And Pokemon Go, although you know you can't use drones and all that stuff in Pokemon Go at this stage, anyway, um, the game is just the first step in in something like that direction. Now we might not see this in the next two to five years, but who knows? in 10 to to 15 years, we might see this kind of thing happening. God knows what the world will actually be like then, when the UK has been removed from the European Union and Donald Trump is the president. Uh, Oh, God, doesn't bear thinking about that. Anyway, I will probably have kids at that point, possibly teenage kids within 10 to 15 years. I can't imagine what kind of world they'll be living in. They'll probably be robo kids, won't they? Let's face it. Robotic children. Cyborg child. Cyborg child. Robo kid. I don't know. I'm just making that up. Um, So anyway, I wonder what it will be like. Will it be good or bad? Who knows? Now, uh, let's move on to um, point three, and that's arguments for Pokemon Go. So back to the present day. Um, Let's get out of that future nightmare. Uh, and come back to the present day. And let's just consider some arguments in favour of Pokemon Go. Here are some arguments for, okay? So, first of all, exercise. Um, this this game, you could say, encourages uh, people to go out and take exercise. And, you know, one of the big problems with computer games is that, basically, when you're playing a game, you're sitting at home on your ass. You're just a couch potato. You're sitting there. You're not really... Physically active. You're just sitting there for hours on end, and it's bad for people's health. And it's certainly bad for young kids who should be going out and breathing the fresh air, and going out into the world, and exercising their legs and doing physical things. It's essential for developing, you know, decent sort of uh, decent physical strength and stamina and immune systems and stuff like that. Staying indoors all day is not really a very healthy thing. So maybe this kind of game will be the first game that's going to break that kind of uh, lifestyle. So it might encourage people to go out and to do exercise and get out into the into the fresh air. I say fresh air, depends where you live really, doesn't it? But anyway, get out into the air and do some exercise. Like for example, uh, one of my students last week who, who was playing Pokemon Go, the same one who played it in his classroom um, before I threw his phone into a lake, which I obviously didn't do, um i wouldn't do that no Th- maybe throw it into a river a pond perhaps uh, anyway he in the space of 2 days apparently he walked 20 kilometers in 2 days which um which is not bad that's that's great and he walked 20k Just because he was playing the game, he was investigating these different areas and visiting these different spots and hunting Pokemon and stuff like that. And he walked twenty kilometers in in two days, which um, which is you know it's not bad. It's pretty funny though, really. It kind of gives you some perspective. You know, there are some kids or some young people or just people in general in other parts of the world who walk. They have to walk twenty k every two days just to get drinking water, and here we are. Walking twenty kilometers to catch a, a water Pokemon—it's—it's it's nuts, really, isn't it? Um, it's a sign of the times. Um, anyway, so you know, you could say that it's good for exercise. Another point is that it's a—it could be a good way to explore areas, to explore places. It could be a good way to encourage people to visit parts of a town that they wouldn't normally visit. Um, imagine, for example, combining Pokemon Go with tourism. It might be possible to create the sort of like a Uh, a tourism experience that includes Pokemon Go, where you go to a city and you use Pokemon Go throughout your trip. And you visit all of these landmarks. And wherever you go, you're collecting Pokemon and you're training them and you're battling them with different people. It could be a really good way to explore a city. And, you know, you'd you'd end up walking all over the city, visiting the different places while playing Pokemon at the same time with your group of people. Because you can create Pokemon teams, I think. I think there are different teams that you belong to in Pokémon, and so you can you know you could become members of a group and you could explore the city together with your Pokémon team. Um, you could discover interesting landmarks in your area, for example. Um, so those are some possible good points. And also, of course, it's just harmless fun. It's just fun, isn't it? It's just fun playing Pokémon. It's just a good laugh, and it's exciting and fun. So what's wrong with that? So it's fun. Or is it? Or is it fun? Is it harmless fun? Because now let's look at some of the arguments against uh, Pokemon Go. Here are some of the things that people are saying about why Pokemon Go is uh, is a bad thing. Okay, so first of all, there's safety. Safety. Uh, now, if you're walking around looking at your phone, trying to find Pokemon in your local area, then you will do a great deal of time walking around staring at your screen. Now, when I've played this game. Um, I just played it for about five minutes in the street, and I realised that I'd walked, I don't know, about 50 feet, 50 metres without looking where I was going. I mean, I, to be honest, I do that a little bit anyway, because sometimes I'll walk around and I'll be like, you know, typing a text message, and I'll just be sort of walking on autopilot. Walking on autopilot, using my per- peripheral vision while typing out a text message, and you just sort of walk down the street slowly typing a message um and you've got your peripheral vision so you can sort of like basically get out of the way of other people who are walking in your in your uh in your path um i wonder if that's very annoying for other pedestrians but i i hope not because i think that i'm still fairly aware of what's going on around me but certainly while playing pokemon i noticed that i was walking around a lot and i wasn't looking where i was going really and you know that's dangerous really that that is pretty dangerous and apparently there have been cases there have been a number of reports in the media of people having arguments not arguments no people having accidents uh, because they're playing Pokemon go like they're crossing the street and they're not looking where they're going and they're being hit by cars or they're walking into objects there, there might be you know there might be hazards in the street that they're not aware of and they're, they're walking into them um, there also apparently have been cases of. Uh, there may even have been deaths. I think there may have been fatalities that have happened as a result of being people playing Pokemon Go, like people falling off cliffs or, or things like that. I seem to remember that happening. Um, now, if you if you if you're doing that, then well, first of all, you've, it's not rocket science. You you need to look where you're going. So be uh, be aware of your surroundings when you're playing the game. You can't completely blame that on the app. But nevertheless, I think that it, it does encourage a certain level of dangerous uh, and slightly reckless behavior. In fact, the app um, does say on the launch screen, it says, please be aware of your surroundings when when playing the game. So, it's definitely um, something, you know, that, that people need to be careful of. Um, people... Uh, apparently have been playing the game while driving, which is just terrible. I mean, it's just um, just asking for, for a huge accident to happen. So uh, there are health risks, you know, dangers relating to playing the game while driving, which is obviously a really dangerous thing to do. Also, the idea that playing Pokemon Go uh, encourages you to go into areas that might not be safe. I mean, for example, parts of your city that you wouldn't normally go into, People are going into these areas without really thinking about it. They're not really paying attention to what's what's going on around them, and they're walking into slightly dangerous parts of town where they would not normally go. And they're walking into them with their phones in their hands. Um, So apparently, there have been reports of muggings happening, where you know people are taking advantage of of Pokemon. Uh, Go players or hanging around Pokemon stops, poker stops, and then sort of stealing or mugging people, stealing phones, mugging people in those areas. Even cases of people uh, dropping uh, law—what were they called? Law stations, lure pods. Um, Those things that the coffee shop owners are planting. Uh, in the game to attract people to come to their coffee shops. Apparently, some people have been using these as a way of attracting uh, unsuspecting Pokemon Go players into their area so that they can then grab their phones. Um, So... Yeah, these, these are things that apparently have been happening. Um, also, uh, some bizarre social patterns and bizarre human behaviour. For example, large groups of people all stampeding across a field to catch a rare Pokemon on the other side of the grass, you know. And I've seen video, you might have seen video of this too, of groups of people sort of rushing across a grassy area, all trying to catch a Pokemon, all looking at their screens, and like one person falls to the floor another, and no one cares. Like someone's fallen down and might be hurt, and no one cares. They just continue to walk, uh, stepping over someone who's who's fallen on the floor. Um, so also cases of trespassing. Trespassing is when you go onto someone else's property without um, without the permission, and it's a um, it's either a crime or it's uh, it's against the law uh, to trespass on other people's property. Um, and you know, it, certainly in America, this can be a seriously dangerous thing to do because in some states they have laws that say that if someone trespasses on your property, you have the right to shoot them. Um, and apparently, people have been too tempted to jump into someone's garden or trespass on someone else's property. They're too tempted by certain Pokemon that they have to catch that they've got themselves into terrible trouble. Uh, and there's been a you know violence um, as a result of that uh, or cases of nuisance nuisance is where for example you your behavior um, interferes with someone's life in a certain way for example it could have interfere with uh, someone's enjoyment of their property let's say for example if um, uh, I think there's a case of some guy in the states who, had bought uh, a listed building, like a an old building that that uh, was of, of of special interest on Google Maps, and because it was it was kind of like linked on Google Maps, it ha- it had become a poker stop in Pokemon Go, and he found that there were crowds of people surrounding his house collecting poker balls from the poker stop, and that this was causing him nuisance, and it was an invasion of his privacy, and all these people hanging around his house and stuff. Um, and uh, that he had some sort of confrontation with the guy who owned the poker stop or the Pokemon gym. I think it was a Pokemon gym. That's what it was. Imagine if your house was a Pokemon gym. You'd have all these people hanging around your house, uh, maybe even trespassing on your property to, to catch Pokemon. So there's... Possible trespassing or nuisance caused by this game. This might lead to lawsuits. You know, maybe the game's going to get sued by people, especially in litigious areas like the United States, where you know there's a, a culture of uh, of taking people to court and you know um, starting litigation procedures for uh, for things like this. Also, another thing, another worrying thing, and this maybe is the biggest thing, is personal data. Now, Pokemon Go is connected to Google. First of all, it uses Google Maps and all the data from Google Maps, uh, but also it uses your Google account. So when you sign into Google, uh, when you sign into Pokemon, it asks you to give um, like access to Google, the the account. Uh, so I think when it was first launched, Pokemon Go had full access to your Google account. That's what I'd read. Uh, the, the Pokemon Go... Uh, um gave uh it gave the app full access to your Gmail account which made it uh pretty easy uh for someone to hack into your 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 Google account basically anyone with access to the game's servers would then be able to access everything in your Google account and yep that means your email your photos your navigation history and all of that stuff so um That would mean anyone with access to Pokemon Go's service would be able to know where you live, what you look like, and possibly things like your bank details and other sensitive information that you have put into emails. Okay, so there's a possible security issue with uh, Pokemon Go there because of the access that it has or used to have to your Google account. However, uh, Niantic, that's the game developer. Uh, Niantic um, has released a statement saying that they've changed the app uh, so that it now just requires basic information from you and not your full account. Uh, Google also say that they're working on limiting permissions uh, that, Google, uh, that, that Pokemon Go has to uh, basic profile data. So apparently the 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 uh, access that Pokemon Go has to your G, uh, your Google account has been limited, but still, it seems pretty dodgy. It smells a little bit fishy, um, you know. And this is the same story that we've seen from other applications. Uh, and I think it's a major part of modern life. You know, personal data. Uh, personal data is now a hugely desirable thing for companies. It has become a precious commodity in business. Um, here's the pattern, right? Social networks or other lifestyle apps offer us addictive and immersive uh, experiences and services. We become hooked on them and we become engrossed by the speed at which we can do things like play fun games, discover information, publish our photos, or do other things, you know. But while we are distracted by those things, the app is collecting our personal data, claiming rights over the information that we publish, or uh, um, or is allowing access to uh, these things, and is then using all of that data as an asset which they can sell to we don't know who. I mean, uh, these companies collecting all this data that you're willingly giving to them, and then these companies are selling it, and, and we don't really know who they're selling it to. I mean, I don't know anyway. I don't even know if it's possible to find out who they're selling this stuff to. Um, but what we know is that people want our data presumably, to be able to create fine-tuned marketing campaigns in order to get us to buy things or do things. I suppose that's what it's all about. Uh, But at this stage now, this is still a bit unsophisticated. You know, this kind of marketing, these marketing methods using our data, it's still a little bit unsophisticated at this moment. And you have heard me talk about how I find things like Google ads to be a bit stupid because they try to sell me shoes that I've already bought and that, you know, all of this stuff doesn't really work very well. So it's not really worth getting so scared about it. But who knows, in the future, um, you know, this stuff may get more sophisticated um, and they um, they might get to the point where um, marketing to us or using our own preferences becomes way more developed and and clever. Um, Who knows? One day, as our reality is more and more augmented by technology and with the internet, we might find that our augmented versions of reality um, are being shaped uh, by the data that is collected about us. And what I mean there is that our reality, as we know it, could become mediated significantly by third parties that we don't know and who want to take advantage of us for their own profit. And this is when the future starts to sound like some kind of science fiction nightmare, like The Matrix, in which even our sense of reality is manipulated so that uh, we can be exploited by, I don't know, corporations or something like that, or exploited by third parties. Perhaps that's a little bit paranoid, you know. But the question is, Are we being too careless with our personal data? Are these apps and services just harmless games, or are they more sinister than that? Um, And so, in the game Pokemon, we're trying to catch them all, but maybe for the companies that make these games, it's a case of gotta catch all your personal data. Uh, A little joke there. Did you see what I did? Gotta catch all your personal data. Now, also, Here's another idea. Google is mapping the world, right? We've got Google Maps. They send that Google car, the Google map car around the streets, and it takes photos of everything. And so at the moment, all public spaces are being mapped by Google. You can use Google Maps and Google Street View to see an almost 3D version of the world kind of thing. And since Pokemon Go is connected to Google, maybe they're using our cameras to scan everything as we play the game. Because remember, the app gives the game and Google access to your camera. And at certain key moments in the game, you open the camera and you scan around the area looking for the Pokemon. So it could be possible that Google um, is um, uh, using... The Pokemon Go app as a way of scanning all the things that we are revealing in the camera. You know, it's possible, right? Maybe they're using the images to create scans of everywhere that we play the game, particularly the interiors of buildings and private spaces, including our homes, because they can't exactly send a Google camera into your home. So it's possible that they're using our phones to scan the interior of our buildings. Maybe maybe Google is using Pokemon to get a uh, a scanned image of the interiors of all of these places, including our homes. It is possible. Now, that does sound a bit like a conspiracy theory, right? I, I understand that. That sounds like a paranoid conspiracy theory. I'm just saying it's possible. I'm not saying it's happening, all right? Uh, but it's just interesting to consider the implications of all this kind of technology and the way that we are allowing companies to access our our, our devices. Um, now, in the end, I think this is about trust. Do you trust these companies? Um, now, you might think when you hear something like, oh, maybe Google is scanning the insides of our houses with our cameras, you might think, well, come on, you're crazy, Google wouldn't use that data in ways that would harm us. Google don't want to harm us. And, you know, they just have our best interests at heart. It's Google. I trust them. Now, maybe you just intrinsically trust these companies, but why do we automatically trust them? Um, Who are they giving the data to? Who do they really care about? Do they have a duty to look after us? Um, Who are they giving the data to? Uh, If it's private companies, uh, those transactions probably happen behind closed doors uh, the data selling and stuff uh, maybe that, that probably happens privately and not in a way that can be scrutinized by the public uh, because that's it's, it's all stuff that happens in the private sector. Um, it's it's not too crazy to imagine that our personal data, our images, even scans of the interior of our homes, that all of those things could be being given to shady people that we don't know, who we don't really care uh, who don't really care about us. Uh, in fifty years, who knows what the state of the world will be in and who will be in power? We don't know who's going to be in power and who's going to have access to all of this stuff. I don't really like the idea that they might have all of my information at their fingertips. Technology is amazing, all right? It is. It could allow us to do so many incredible things. In fact, it already does. It's opened up the entire world to us with the internet and everything. But it could also bring about massive levels of manipulation um, and limitation um, in uh, in people's basic liberties, you know? Um It it would be ironic if the internet, which started out as this huge libertarian open source project, could ultimately be used as a way to keep everyone under control. Um, Now, I realise that I sound a bit like a conspiracy theorist again, uh, because I'm just speculating, all right? I'm just speculating. I'm not stating any of these things are true or anything like that. It's just speculation. But it is interesting, don't you think? It, It makes you think, doesn't it? Well, it makes me a little bit scared. And I'm not quite sure where I stand on all of that kind of stuff. Uh, by the way, a note here on conspiracy theories. Um, um, a lot of conspiracy theories, I think, are based on speculation, um, sort of false logic, uh, leaps of, of logic, you know, like sort of leaping from one thing to the next uh, with a with a s- sort of a supposition that it's logic when it's not. Um, con- confirmation bias and all that kind of thing. And I think once you get an idea in your head, once you get the idea in your head that the world is controlled by shadowy, unknown, powerful groups, then I think it's possible to interpret almost any phenomenon in the world as an extension of that conspiracy. And I think in reality, the world is probably a lot more chaotic and less sinister than we think. Uh, Pokemon Go is probably just a little bit sinister. It's probably not completely sinister it's probably just slightly sinister and that bit of sinisterness is exaggerated by the fact that it appears to be a cute and innocent game um, when in fact it's not really that cute and innocent from the other side Uh, But I imagine that the game is no worse than being just a little bit sinister. You know, the fact is that they they do want to get our data. They want to sell it to marketing companies who are all desperately struggling to find ways of using that data effectively. Uh, In the end, perhaps it won't be that bad and it'll just be easier to buy shoes that you like You know, or it'll that the your phone will know what kind of destinations you'd like to visit, and it'll just send you some updates with with advice. You know, or maybe uh, at worst, um, your phone will sort of uh, vibrate annoyingly at regular intervals during the day, and you'll you'll find that you get sort of repetitive strain injury in your fingers because you're spending so much time uh, uh, turning off push notifications on your phone. Maybe that's as bad as it will get. uh, either that or we'll get the worst-case scenario and we'll all be enslaved by evil spider robots which steal all of our electromyography. They'll steal all of our body's electrical impulses so that they can keep themselves alive in order to play robo-Pokemon and feed batteries to their robo-children like in The Matrix. That's the worst-case scenario, of course. Um, right, now, uh, that's the end of this episode. I just sp- talked constantly there for nearly an hour and 15 minutes, all about Pokemon. Um, so, it's over to you, okay? What do you think? I'd love to know what you think about this subject. Uh, any thoughts or th- feelings or things you want to say in response to anything that I've said in this episode would be most welcome on the uh, page for this episode. Um Don't forget to check out the page where you will find um, a lot of what I've just said there written. Uh, A lot of it's written down. Some of it's improvised. A lot of it's uh, written, including, you know, loads of words and phrases that I've just used. Um, You could listen to this again. And, um, you know, that will be a good way to get the language in your head. Um, There's lots of things you could do. You could just listen to it once and fine, move on to the next one, or you could listen to it several times and notice certain things again and again. Or you could listen and read the transcript. Uh, you could read the transcript again and note certain words. You know, so much that you can do. Go back into the archive, ladies and gents. Check out some of my other episodes. There are specific episodes about specific things about learning English, um, and also some advice about ways that you can use this podcast to to help you learn English more and more. Um, join the mailing list. Uh, enter your email address in the top right-hand uh, corner of the, the website, and you'll get an email every time I upload a new episode, and that'll be the easiest way for you to then access the page for the episode, where you'll find all of the notes and transcripts and all that stuff. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at English Podcast, um, and leave your comments on the on the website, okay? Lovely to talk to you about Pokemon. I think what I'm going to do next is I'm going to try and work out if I can actually do a live... Uh, like, uh, episode where I'm, I'm walking around playing Pokemon. Let's see, let's see if I have time. Um, so that might come up in the, in the, in the near future. All right. Thanks again for listening to the, uh, episode and I'll speak to you again soon, but for now it's time to say goodbye, bye, 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 bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.